Welcome to the Living the Dream podcast with Curveball. If you believe, you can achieve. Welcome to the Living the Dream with Curveball podcast, a show where I interview guests that teach, motivate, and inspire. Today, we're going to be talking about professional organization as I'm joined by author and professional organizer, Angie Heitch. Angie has been a professional organizer since 2016. She is the author of the book, Unholy Mess, What the Bible Says About Clutter. So we're going to be talking to her about her book, her business, and how she got started. Angie, thank you so much for joining me today. You are welcome. Glad to be here. Why don't you start off by telling everybody a little bit about yourself? All right. So I grew up in East Tennessee. Growing up, my what I loved the most was uh, sports, basketball, volleyball, softball, track. I went to college in Middle Tennessee, studied biology, played volleyball. And I've kind of done, I met my husband our freshman year, married right after we graduated. And moved to Atlanta, lived there the first 11 years of our marriage, where our girls were born. We have two girls, 28 and 26. And um, we, uh, I've kind of done a whole lot of different things career-wise. I got my undergrad degree in biology. I did some work at CDC in lab research. I taught high school for a short period of time. Then I got my master's. As a PA, physician assistant, worked in pediatrics in an inner city hospital in Atlanta. Um, We moved back to our hometown in East Tennessee when our girls were four and one. And I was able to stay home with them, taking care of them, volunteering in school, their schools for a long time. And then when I decided I was ready to get back into the working world, I'd been out of medicine for so long, I felt that wasn't ready for that. So I went back into teaching, working as an elementary teaching assistant, but I've had some experience where I've done some organizing for a nonprofit and really loved it and found out that it's actually a profession. I've never even heard of it and did some research into that. And when I found out that if I wanted to work as an organizer, it would be, would require me to start my own business. And that was just so intimidating to me, the idea of starting a business. So for several years, I just said, I don't think I can do that. So I'll just figure out something else. Well, couldn't really let it go. So when my husband and I hit into this stage, we had a lot of long talks about it. And he was really so supportive. He said, I'm just afraid that if you don't give it a try, that you'll, uh, you know, you'll wish you had tried and I'm behind you and I really think you'd be good at it. And so in the spring of 2016, I decided to take a big leap of faith and start this organizing business, Ship Shape Solutions. And uh, I was absolutely terrified, but it's been such an exciting thing to do. I've loved it. It's been such a challenge and I, I really just love what I do. The writing just started out as a blog and then worked its way into a monthly newspaper article that I've been doing for five years. And then when I decided I had more to share than what could fit in an 1100 word article, when I published a book and I'm on my way to a second and third book. 
So that's kind of my long twisting route to how I got into professional organizing. So when you say you wanted to be a professional organizer, but you had to start your own business, mm-hmm. why is that? You, you couldn't work for somebody? You have to start your own business to be a professional organizer? No, you don't have to. And it kind of depends on where you live. In my small town in East Tennessee, in 2016, when I was looking to start a business, there was only one part-time professional organizer. And I didn't. She had a full-time job and was just doing this as a side gig. And I didn't want to join her. And I figured with only one organizer in, in a big area that felt like there was enough business. And once I got over my fears and got some coaching from the local small business entrepreneurship office, got some mentored with another professional organizer, got some training from NAPO, which is National Association of Productivity and Organizing Professionals. Then I just really decided that starting the business was the way I wanted to do it. It's not in most areas. It's not the kind of thing where you just go interview with someone and work with them. Some larger cities have a whole lot more organizers, but that was the route that I needed to do in this area. Okay, well, before you started to be a professional organizer, I know you you worked in education and medicine. What what did you do in medicine? I was a pediatric PA, which is physician assistant, which is very similar to a nurse practitioner. So I was seeing patients in an outpatient pediatric clinic in downtown Atlanta. So, you know, they would come in either, you know, it could be a three-month well check or it could be coming in with symptoms of asthma or just any number of things. So that that was what I did in medicine. And then in teaching, I taught high school science and I was a teaching assistant for elementary school. But really my my most of my adult life I was able to spend raising my girls and volunteering in the school, either in the library, the clinic, the classroom. And one of the volunteer jobs I was doing at the time, I, my husband and I had started doing acting in a community theater. And the community theater, the room where they had their props and costume pieces was an absolute disaster. And every time I went in there, it just drove me crazy. And I said, I've got to do something about this mess. And so their part-time employee and I decided to take several weeks and go through everything and clear out what they didn't need and organize and label the things that were kept. And so it was in the midst of that organizing job, which I did as a volunteer, that I discovered how much I liked it. And so, but then it would be a few years until I was at the point in my life where I had the time and was able to devote to starting that business. So that's kind of the indirect route that led me here. Well, why don't you share some of your top decluttering tips with the listeners? Yeah, I'd love to. So, you know, clutter is the, I both love it and hate it. I love it in that it gives me something to focus on with my clients. I hate it because of how much it impact negatively impacts our lives. And when most people think about clutter, the thing they always imagine first is piles of stuff that they don't need. And that is absolutely 
the most common kind of clutter that we think of, but it goes so far beyond that. Clutter really is anything that distracts us from our priorities. So it can be stuff, definitely it can be stuff, but it can also be things in our schedule that don't serve us well. It can be thoughts that get us sidetracked from what we're supposed to be doing. It can be relationships that aren't serving as well. It really is a deeper problem than just about our stuff. So in Unholy Mess, what the Bible says about clutter, I deal with three different areas of clutter, the physical clutter of stuff, schedule clutter, your to-do list, your calendar, and attention, what I call attention clutter, thoughts and cluttering your brain. So as far as my top cluttering, decluttering tips, I would say as far as physical stuff, a tip that I give out all the time, it's such an easy thing to do, costs you hardly any time. And so what I tell people is to have one container in an easy to access place in your house that is your daily decluttering container. And every time you see anything in your home that you don't love and use, um, those are the two questions I ask. If I don't love it and use it, it's clutter. So every time you see anything you don't love and use, put it in that container. And when that container uh, gets full, take it to uh, donate it or pass it on to someone that you know that could use it. And if you do that over and over and over again, it really can make a big difference. I don't have a lot of physical clutter in my home. Uh, My husband and I, uh, a couple of years ago, we downsized from the home we raised our girls into this little 1,200 square foot loft apartment. We got rid of probably 75% of our belongings. It was absolutely wonderful. But we still accumulate things. Because we have such a small space, we have to be very on top of things as far as our belongings. So if I bring in a shirt, a shirt goes out. If I bring in a pair of ears, So even, <laughs> even us in our small space, we still do that daily decluttering. And that container fills up routine. So that's a, that's a really good one. Um, a lot of our physical clutter comes from a lack of consistent daily habits. I would say the three most important are the dishes, the laundry, and the daily pickup. Um, Dishes, I mean, it seems like a no-brainer that people would do dishes regularly. Believe it or not, I've been in many homes that hardly ever have I seen a time when the counters weren't totally covered with dishes, the sink full of dishes, the dishwasher full of dishes. They don't ever actually put them up. It's amazing what a difference can make if you do the dishes every single day. If you miss a day, um, okay, so if dishes take you 15 minutes, let's say, on an average day, and if you missed that five days in a row, uh, it's not five times 15 minutes amount of time. It takes forever. It takes hours. So the more you keep up with it, the less time you spend. Same thing with laundry. If you wait and have loads and loads and loads and loads and just piled everywhere, it can take you hours to get caught up. So having a regular routine on the laundry. And then the daily pickup. Most important principle of all in organizing is everything needs a home and things need to stay in their home unless they're being used. And then when they're used, you put them back. And that sounds so easy and it's easy to understand. But again, if we, every night, if we said, okay, I'm going to spend five minutes, I'm going to put stuff back, I'm going to get rid of trash, uh, then all those daily routines just do wonders as far as keeping order in your home. So those are my favorite tips as far as physical clutter. 
Well, share some time management and productivity tips with the listeners as well. Yeah, I'd be glad to. So um, when it comes to how we spend our time, again, we kind of have to apply the same principles. You know, if clutter is anything that distracts us from our priorities, then we can think about how we're spending our time. Are we spending our time in a way that serves our priorities? What are our priorities? I think sometimes we kind of know the right answers. We may say, well, okay, I'm a Christian, so I got to put God first and my family comes second. And then, but we don't really think about it in terms of does the way I'm spending my time match those priorities at all? Do I have a bunch of things in my schedule that, well, I've just always been doing that. So I just got to keep doing it. Really, it's just kind of getting in the way. It's, it's making me not have time for the things that are most important. So you have to kind of be willing to take a magnifying glass and look at the way you're spending your time. And you look at the things on your to-do list. Do they match your priorities? Are these things serving you well? Are they aligning with your priorities? Are they helping you meet your goals? And if they're not, you need to cut the clutter out. Here's one that gets people uh, in trouble sometimes, and I'm bad for this too. Um, this is from Laura Vanderpam, who's a wonderful uh, time management expert, written several books, has a great podcast, a couple of podcasts. Sometimes if someone asks us to do something and it's quite a ways away, let's say three months from now, and you ask somebody, okay, can you be in charge of this event? It's on a Saturday. It's in three months. And I might look at my calendar and say, oh yeah, I I don't have anything for that Saturday. That should be fine. No problem. Well, but it's like we think in three months, my life is going to be just, you know, got tons of free time. That should be no problem. But of course, I know that my schedule is going to fill up. And two and a half months from now, I look at that on the calendar and go, oh my gosh, why did I say yes to that? I never really wanted to do it anyway. It just kind of caught me off guard because it's so long away. So Laura's advice is to, when someone asks you about something, even if it's a long time away, imagine that it's tomorrow and you look at your schedule for tomorrow and you say, oh my goodness, I've got a full plate tomorrow. So if you are thinking to yourself, no, my schedule's busy tomorrow. I can't work it in. So even though it's three months from now, I'm just going to say no, because I'm not excited about it. And just go ahead and say no. If you're not excited now, you won't be excited a couple of months later. But if you're imagining it's tomorrow and your schedule's busy tomorrow, if your thoughts are, man, I hate that I'm busy tomorrow. That sounds like a perfect opportunity for me. I would be really excited about that. Okay, I'll figure out a way. I will delay this and cancel this. If you feel that way about it, then that's something you should say yes to. It needs to be an absolutely 100% yes, or you need to just go ahead and say no and save yourself the heartache. Well, what are some of the most common reasons people call a professional organizer? I would say the number one reason people call professional organizer is because they have gotten a situation, usually with their stuff, sometimes with their schedule, to where they are completely overwhelmed and they don't even know what to do. They look around their house and just go, I, I don't, you know, very commonly it's someone who's been in their home for 20, 30, 40, 50 years 
and they never have really cleared things out on a regular basis. And they just don't even know where to start. And so they call and they say, I'm overwhelmed and I need to figure out what to do. That's probably the number one. They feel a little bit out of control and they need a plan. They need someone to kind of show them, okay, we're going to make a plan. We're going to go one, two, three, four. And it's, it's different with everybody. I don't always use the same approach with each person, but my job is to help them get from that state of overwhelm to a step-by-step plan to get through that. That's probably the most common reason that people call organizers. Well, what are some of the resources that you would recommend, you know, like books, podcasts that you would recommend for organizing? Yeah. So there's so many out there. I am, I love what I do so much that I read and listen to podcasts and watch things all the time related to organizing and simplicity. So I've got lots of favorites. So let me see. Some of my favorite people that write or speak or do podcasts on simplifying minimalism, organizing. So I'll list first the minimalists, which is Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus. And their website's just the minimalists. Com. They have a great documentary on Netflix called Less Is and Now. I think it was from 2016. It's a great introduction to their work. And my favorite thing that they have put out is their 16 Rules for Minimalist Living. And that's a free resource on their website. I listen to their podcasts a lot and I like what they teach. I also really like um, an author and podcaster named Dana K. Initial K. White. Her website and podcasts are called A Slob Comes Clean. She is the kind of person who cleaning and organizing are not something she enjoys or that comes natural to her, naturally to her. And so my clients can tend to relate to her. She's very dead level honest about where she was, the state of her house and her life, and what it took her to get some order in that. She's big on the daily habits, the dishes, laundry, daily pickup. And she's very real. She's very funny. And I really like her work. I would say as far as resources, one of the best things that someone could spend their time on is actually working with a professional organizer. And when I talk about this, I am not selling myself at all because my business is currently not taking new clients. I'm trying to focus on my writing and speaking. I've got a podcast coming up. So when I tell you to go to Napo, napo napo.net, N-A-P-O.net, and you can search for an organizer with your zip code. Um, So anyone, and not every organizer is a Napo member, but I would say the ones who are really passionate about keeping up to date with what's going on in the industry, who are serious about education and ethical standards, our NAPO members. So finding an organizer in your area or working with someone who does virtual work, plenty of organizers can work with someone from anywhere. If you're willing to use, you know, FaceTime on your phone or Zoom. Um, Sometimes you just need, you may not even need someone to work with you regularly. You just may need a plan for how to do the work yourself. So there's plenty of good podcasts and books and 
blogs, if you go on my website, which is shipshape.solutions and go under resources, I have a list of my favorite books, my favorite podcasts, videos, that kind of thing. So you can look for further, for further resources there. There's plenty of great material to help you. There are courses you can um, be involved in. Um, so lots of good material. What do you think about the Netflix series called Home Edit? Tell us about that and your opinion on it. Yeah, of course, I've watched both the Tidying Up with Marie Kondo and the Home Edit. I've watched all the episodes. I love them both. They're extremely different. A lot of what they do is similar to what a professional organizer would do. And then some of it's completely different. Um, So you're going to see kind of different philosophies, different uh, techniques. Although there will be some things that are the same. The home edit is especially fun when they work with celebrities. So that's kind of interesting. What's similar about the home edit and what I do, and I would say most organizers, depends on the area, but the home edit works with clients that have a pretty big budget that uh, uh, they're okay with purchasing a lot of new organizing supplies. And occasionally I have that situation, but most of the time with my clients, we're just trying to use what they have and hold the budget down. So I don't necessarily go to the container store and bring home a whole bunch of new stuff. Number one, I don't have a container store closed to me, unfortunately. And number two, my clients are usually trying to work with what they have and stick to a lower budget. But the way they assess the situation, make their goals for a space, figure out if they need zones, all those, those, it's kind of a similar way to approach a project. So. Well, for those who might be interested in being a professional organizer out there to talk about the training that they might want to undergo to be certified like you are. Sure. So I talked about NAPO before I said, not every organizer is a member of NAPO and it's true. You don't have to be there. There is no specification for you have to have done this class or that class or whatever to call yourself a professional organizer. However, I do believe that uh, if someone wants to be the most professional and the most uh, educated on their work, I believe that would lead them to go to NAPO. And NAPO has kind of a provisional membership that you can start out as. And then there's a, a core, a few core classes that you take to get to professional level. And then to where you're able to be searched for on the NAPO website. As far as certification, not the percentage of organizers that are NAPO members that are certified is actually pretty low. Certification requires logging 1,500 hours of paid client work, passing a very difficult exam, and then getting 45 continuing education units every three years paying a a, a yearly fee. So to get certified, you have to have been practicing enough time to get 1,500 hours, and then you have to study for and take an exam. Um, Like I said, the percentage of organizers that are certified, certified professional organizers, pretty low because it takes some work to get to. So there's a way, if you go on NAPO, there's a way you can search for, if you just want a certified professional organizer, you can do that, in, as well as going just through the zip code. And 
when I was training, I found it extremely helpful to find an organizer in my area and to work with her as a mentor. We did some jobs together. I still, six years out, will call her every once in a while with something that I need advice on because I really respect her experience and also conferences uh, in order to get the continuing education units and just for me to learn from the classes and from other organizers. I go every year to the neighbor conference where there are lots of classes and interaction with peers. You can run things by each other and say, you know, I've got a difficult client. I'm trying to figure out what to do or what has helped you most or what, you know, what social media are you on? You know, just different things about that, comparing businesses with each other. It's uh, really important. I'm a member of Faithful Organizers, which is a group of Christian professional organizers and membership in that. And being active in that group has just meant the world for me and my business because it's allowed me to see how my business can be not just a job, but part of a ministry. I'll serve you. My clients can be part of serving God. So those are the things I would say as far as uh, training to be an organizer. So I really love helping people who are aspiring organizers, especially now that I'm kind of transitioning out of client work so much. I will tell people, hey, if you're wanting to get started, let me know because I'd love to. We'll talk about your current and upcoming projects that people need to be on the lookout for. Sure. So I've got my book out there, Unholy Mess, What the Bible Says About Clutter. That was published in December 2020. But what's coming up next, very excited. I'm going to be writing a book with fellow organizer turned author, Leanna George. It's going to be a book of devotions called Uncluttered, Shaping Your Heart and Home for What Matters Most. It'll be published with a small publisher called Scrivenings, and publishing date is in September of 2023. And as a part of that, Deanna and I are also going to start a podcast of the same name, Uncluttered, Shaping Your Heart and Home for What Matters Most. Really excited about that book. We've got about halfway written and we're working on that. I'm also working with faithful organizers on a book of devotions. That'll be specifically for Christian professional organizers that will also publish in 2023. And at some point, I hope to do a follow-up Bible study on unholy mess, what the Bible says about clutter. So I've got several things in the works that I'm very excited about, many of which will come to fruition in 2023. All right, well, give out that contact information again so people can keep up with everything that you're up to. Yeah, so my website is Solutions. Best way to reach me is probably through email, and it's Angie at shipshape.solutions. And one more tip I wanted to pass along. As far as we didn't really touch any on attention clutter or mental clutter, um, I will say two things about that. One, for me, uh, I, when I was working with clients with their physical clutter and realizing like for a long time, I was pretty arrogant about it, honestly, to come home and say, oh, look, I don't have clutter. And as far as physical clutter, I didn't really, but I had a lot of clutter and still do in my mind. And a lot of that was a result of too much time on my phone and my tablet and my laptop. So I have really had to change my habits 
as far as time on my digital devices. And I love my iPhone and I do everything digitally, but it also can be a big time time suck. Um, and so I have to be very intentional about when I pick it up. Uh, you know, if you if you're with someone and you pick up your phone when you're with them, whether you want to or not, you just communicated that whatever's on your phone is more important than they are. I hate just knowing that it took my family telling me for years to get off my phone before I finally made the efforts to try to uh, deal with that clutter. It was a really hard one, and it's still something I deal with. Um, so one more thing I'll say as far as mental clutter or attention clutter, um, some of that clutter is based on disorganization with our time management and how we keep track of things on our to-do list. Sometimes we'll be trying to remember in our head things like, when I got get home, I got to do this. Oh, and I need to stop at the store and get this, this, and this. This coming up, that coming up. And it's just, it's like, there's all this stuff spinning around in our head. And we can't, we literally cannot hold it all in our head. Our brain was made to create ideas, not to store them. Uh, I'm a big fan of David Allen's book, Getting Things Done. He talks about those things that are in our minds that are in a state, not in the state we want. He calls them open loops. And he says, you've got to get those open loops into trusted systems. And this really is helpful for not having so many things that you're trying to think about. So I always advise people to, if they don't have really good systems, or even if they do, every once in a while, do a big brain dump, sit down and just literally jot, actually pencil or pen and paper, not digitally, jot down all the things that are in your mind that you're so afraid you're going to forget. Just write them all just as fast as you can. Go, 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 go. Don't worry about organizing them yet. And then when you get your list completed, it might take you 15, 20 minutes, get all that out and then figure out, okay, what needs to go on my calendar? What needs to, where do I put to-dos? Like, do I have that digitally? Do I have it on paper? There's lots of different ways. No way is better than the other. Just what's going to work for you. But you've got to get that all that out of your head into a system you can trust. I love using reminders. Like, when I get home, remind me to set out that book. I need to give back to so-and-so. Or put it on my calendar. Put it in my Google Tasks list. Just jot it on an index, whatever, but we've got to get those things out and get them into a way that we can be sure that we'll complete them. It's a big source of attention, Claire. Ladies and gentlemen, Angie Heitch, Ship Shape Solutions. Be sure to check out everything that she's up to, her book. And if you need a professional organizer, you can search, like she said, through NAPO. Angie, appreciate you for joining us and sharing your expertise with the listeners on professional organization and time management. Sure, glad to do it. Thanks so much for having me, Curtis. For more information on the Living the Dream podcast, visit www.djcurveball.com. Until next time, stay focused on living the dream. dream.